Pornography, why it's a problem and what we can do about it, with Robert Falzon. Robert Falzon is a husband, father, businessman, co-founder of Men Alive and author. Men Alive is a national Catholic ministry to bring men together, renew their faith in God, and to encourage them to become an active force for renewal in the church. This talk was recorded in collaboration between Cradio.org.au and XT3.com. All right, this is um, this is delicate territory for most people, so don't be scared. Um, and um, it's not something. Welcome, come and sit down. There's one seat left. You've got the last seat. We've sold out. Um, I um. I want to do a frank and um, open conversation about this topic. It's one that we've got our heads stuck in the sand about. And as church, we, we hold a territory of grace for this. and We really need to be adventurous and wild and a little bit more courageous than we have been. So um, uh, I'm, I'm going to do that. But before we do that, I think given the nature of the topic and the scary territory that we're going to go into, I think we should pray. What do you reckon? We'll stand up for a moment. Father, thank you. Thank you that we're your sons and daughters. Thank you that we're your delight. Thank you that we have the opportunity today to become aware and um, informed and agitated about a topic that that must bring great, uh, uh, great angst to your heart for your children. We turn to you today uh, through your son Jesus and we ask that your Holy Spirit guide us, uh, grace us, uh, and give us the wisdom that we need, we all need, uh, as church and as people of this world in the area of our sexuality. Amen. Okay. So normally when I talk about pornography, there are no women in the room. So I'm going to have to be nice today. And I better be good. Um... I would suggest that you consider the possibility of writing a couple of things down. Not that I'm going to say anything wise, but there's some bits and pieces that are useful. Some bits and pieces that are useful. And people come to this particular particular topic because of a variety of reasons. Um, curiosity, interest, need, and a mission. Now, this is the one of the largest mission fields in the life of our church. We talk about evangelization. This is the this is a this is a ministry of evangelization. This is a conference on evangelization. We talk about evangelization, and evangelization always needs to be um, needs to be an action that's at the edge where people's pain is. Where people's pain is. Uh, you don't evangel any any anybody in one sense in the in the territory of where life is okay. You evangelize people in where life is where their life is not necessarily okay. Um, Jesus went to the fringes of society, to the outcast, to the broken, to the lost, the lonely, the poor, the hungry, 
those estranged, those outcast, and he went to them, and then he let them put his fingers, in, their fingers in his wounds, and now he's asking us to go find the wounded and put our fingers in their wounds and bring healing, healing to them. Uh, so if we want to say, where's God calling me to evangelise? I pray hard about the needs in your parish or in your church or in your society because they're the greatest areas of evangelisation where people are needy, uh, where they're hungry. And Mother Teresa said, I, I just bring them food. I just bring them food. She brought them so much more than food. But she said, I just bring them food. So today we're going to talk about pornography. And, um, and uh, this is huge. One hour does not do anything with this topic. We need a whole weekend on it. Uh, and we need to talk about it in the context of human, human sexuality and the ontological, ontological reality of the human person. Some of you have read John Paul II and you'll know that there's been a lot of beautiful things written. But let's just talk about pornography for a little while. I'm going to do three things. I'm going to break open the issue. Uh, I'm going to then speak to, speak to the, the fruits of the issue, some of the issue, some of the fruits behind the issue, and then we're going to talk about some ways forward. None of this will do justice in any way to the reality of the struggle and the issue with this, with this topic. So the, the word pornography comes from two Greek words, one porne, which means prostitute, and the other one graphene, which means to write or to draw. Uh, and was originally, originally associated with works of art and lit literature that depicted the life of prostitutes. So the, uh, the, the, selling, the selling of sex uh, has been around a long time, but it hasn't become the problem that it is since the sexual revolution, which started in about the 60s. Uh, pornography is the explicit display of the human uh, naked body and the interaction and activity of naked people together. It's now called the sex industry. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine sex being an industry? And can you imagine it being a, a business? Like it's almost like the secular world is one in this territory, eh? Where sex industry is an acceptable, acceptable term in our English language and adult entertainment, acceptable terms in the, in the vernacular of our, of our society, uh, secularisation of society and the absence of God in society is one in this territory right now. It's the biggest topic and struggle facing the men of our church and of our society. The number one uh, issue. Let me, give you a few, let me give you a few statistics that uh, some of these are important to write down. So this is through my research. I have the, I have the source documents here if you want to search them in a minute to prove my, um, to prove my points, but I've, I've got the source material here. But here's some of the, uh, here's some of the data. One in four search engines on the internet, um, one in four search engine requests on the internet are for porn material. 25% of every search re request on the internet is for uh, pornography of some kind or another. One in four. That's going to take your breath away to start with. But here's a few more. It's the number one topic searched on the internet. By topic, it's the number one search on the internet. According to uh, research organisations and news reports, 
28,258 internet users every second are looking at pornography. 28,258. At the same time, 372 internet users are typing in a request for some pornography on the internet. Every 39 minutes, every 39 minutes, so nearly two every hour, there's a new pornographic video made and released on the internet. It's big business. That's why it's delicate and dangerous territory. You try and go and do something about this out there in the secular world and, uh, and uh, you find yourself in trouble because these people have lots of money. The pornographic industry has larger revenues than Microsoft, Google, Amazon, eBay, Yahoo, Apple, Netflix combined. Combined. In 2006, the estimated, estimated revenue is $97.06 billion. It's now been estimated and they can't get exact figures as a trillion dollar a year business. That's the US pornographic industry revenue statistics. You can search that on the internet. In 2004, there were 372 million pornographic web pages. 372 million pornographic web pages. 2.5 billion pornographic emails. 100,000, this one really has to make you mad, 100,000 websites offering illegal child pornography. 100,000 offering illegal child pornography. 72 million annual worldwide visitors to pornographic websites. It would be, it would be true to say now that pornography is omnipresent. And porn has been made the norm. In fact, in some, in some circles, and even amongst men, it's laughed about. It's sort of not considered an issue anymore. It's just considered like, oh, will I smoke or won't I smoke? Will I use porn or won't I use porn? It's culturally acceptable, and many would say it has no harm and, is, and isn't negatively affecting anyone. Let me make it personal. How many of you in this room have accidentally uh, been led into a porno pornographic website. Put your hand up. I'll keep your hand up. Um, how many of you have intentionally gone to an internet por porn site? Keep your hand up. And I won't ask the next question. How many of you have done that more than once? The statistics will tell the story. It is a predominantly male problem. It's not until in the last 10 years been a female problem. Uh, it's becoming more of a female problem. But it's, a, it's essentially a man problem. Uh, what are some of the reasons for that, do you think? What do you think? Why do you think it's predominantly a man problem and not a woman problem? Beautiful. Men, not beautiful, but men are, men are more visual. Men learn with their eyes. Men are instructed by looking. Women are instructed predominantly by listening. Who are the better lis listeners out of the gender? Men or women? Women. Women listen much better than men. Uh, who are the better oral communicators, verbal communicators out of the men, male or female species? Quickly. Oh, but then who makes sense more? Yeah, I didn't ask that. I didn't ask that question. <laughs> uh, the statistics tell us that women speak 60% more words per day than men. 
women are better communicators. So one reason is, is, is it's visual. The second reason now is, is that it's no longer a social thing. It's isolated and private. Women are social. Women meet in the coffee shops, meet in the hairdressing salon, and I'm not doing, trying to be too general, but that's true. Women generally find it easier to communicate and talk about life. Men don't, as a general statement. Men don't. So, it's predominantly a male problem. Let me tell you how big a male problem it is. 93% of all men have been exposed to porn. Sorry, 93%. 93% of all men. 51% of those men use porn weekly. 51% men use porn weekly. That is more than, that is at least five hours per week. These guys are at risk and on the way to addiction. 11% of the 93% are addicted to porn. That means they use it every day. 11% of the 53% of the 93%. So 93% of men use porn. 51% of men are exposed to porn. 51% of those who are exposed to porn use porn every week. That's five hours. 11% of the 51 use porn every day and they're addicted. 2% are chronic and that is they, they are more, use porn more than 20 hours per week. 20 hours per week. Looking at, looking at um, pictures of naked women, looking at movies of naked women and naked men together, and looking at movies of people having sex together on the internet, and multiple peoples of having sex together on the internet, and all the myriad and combinations of disaster that gets worse. One of the problems with pornography is um, people who use pornography, and I, I say the word use deliberately in the same way that people use drugs. People who use pornography regularly um, find themselves in a spiral of not being, not being satisfied. So a drug addict might take, I don't know what the, the measurements of drugs are, right? But might take a milligram of heroin to get a hit. But after being on drugs for a month, they'll need two milligrams. And after being on drugs for six months, they'll need 10 milligrams. And after being on drugs for six months, for 12 months, they'll need 20 milligrams, right? A drug addict needs more of the drug to get the same hit. Those of you who work with drug addicts know that. Person who's using the internet needs more and more, uh, can I use these strong words, depraved uh, images and pictures and experiences to find their, their hit, so, so call it. Does that answer your question? It's a bit disgusting and I know it's a bit harsh in one sense, but it's important for us to be aware. This is not just an adult problem. 70% of teenage boys have spent 30 consecutive minutes looking at porn once. This is a longitudinal study. There's not just a few boys being, being asked in the street. 70%, 23% of them are girls. 35% of boys have done this more than 10 occasions. 14% girls. Only 3% of boys in our society have not been exposed to porn. Boys, this is boys under the age of 17. Only 3%. 17% of girls have not been exposed to porn. 
It is highly addictive. Some would say, if you read Struthers, Wide Printimacy, more addictive than heroin. It's highly addictive because it's, it's easily accessible. Three clicks and you're there. Uh, three clicks and three seconds, we say in our men's work. Three clicks and three seconds. If you don't escape after three seconds, it's very difficult as a man to escape. Three clicks and you're there. You can access it on the internet in your home. You can access it on the internet on your phone. There's a, there's a horrific article, accurate, accurate and well-written, but horrific article, that basically says young people carry porn around in their pocket. Porn in the pocket, it's called. Your mobile phone, which has access to the internet, uh, gives you access to pornography. Some of the data's there. You're welcome to look at this after the, um, after the session. So accessibility. It's so easy. When I was growing up, if I wanted to look at a naked woman uh, as a teenage boy, I would have to go into the newsagents with the dark hat, sunglasses, the jacket, go down to row seven, creep in at the back, open the Playboy magazine to the middle and have a look and then, and then run out. <laughs> now, everybody, anybody who has a phone, now, how many of you got brothers and sisters who are under the age of 10? Some of them have got phones, don't they? Some of yours don't, but a lot of kids now have phones and they can access. And, and one of the, the sinister things about, about the way this internet, internet uh, uh, digital drug is working uh, is that it has triggers now that knows how to find young people. The language that young people use, the triggers in the search engines bring up porn. If you, if you go to you, so any of you people on Facebook, is anybody not on Facebook here? Good man. Uh, how many of you know that quite often down the right-hand side of your Facebook thing, there's unpleasant things that appear? Uh, it's not, not completely pornographic, but it's un, un, unpleasant. And, and if you go anywhere near that, all of a sudden, throughout the wild, wild world of the internet, the messages go around and all these, all these websites are coming at your portal like a virus. And, and you know, like um, I have a friend, not a, well, a guy that I, I work with, with a bit, who says, I, it just doesn't go away from my computer. I said, take the plug out of the wall and throw your computer out the window. <laughs> because it's, it's, it's not helpful. Like you said, you know, Facebook, there's a re obviously reason, reasons for that. So accessible. Second, it's affordable. In fact, most of the internet that people search for is free. Why do you think these people give it away for free? Why? Sorry? That's right. And then they want more, and then they find the they find the worst stuff further and further down down the spiral down into the pit. It's affordable. The third reason that's addictive is it's anonymous. It's it's private. You can go into your room, shut the door. You know, I, I say to guys who have a porn addiction, um, find out what your triggers are in your sequence, in your cycle. And then when you, know, when you know what your triggers are, stop there. Like if it's seven beers and you're at home at 11 o'clock at night on your own, don't go to the computer room. 
don't go to the computer room. You go to the computer room and you shut the door. Before you even click, you're gone. No, no, the cycle. So it's, it's anonymous. It's anonymous and private. And, um, and most people say, well, it doesn't hurt anyone. Well, I'm not hurting anybody. Have you heard people say that? I'm not hurting anybody. I heard a young lady, not, not so young, a young lady in my, in my um, perspective, she was 30-something, she, she was talking about her husband to me and, and my wife is a, uh, is a, is a counsellor and she counsels people with, with, uh, with addictions and she's a relationship, she masters in counselling and she counsels people with addictions and, and, rela and relationship problems uh, and she works for a Christian organisation that does this. She was counselling this person and we were talking about it. And she said, the lady said, um, I don't see any harm with my husband using porn. It doesn't hurt him, it doesn't hurt me. In fact, it gives me some break from him. Keeps him away from me for a while. Uh, Alicia said, you know, what do you think about that? What do you think I should do about that? I've just given Alicia a book to read about this because, um, because people underestimate the toxicity, the toxicity of this drug. Um, it's anonymous. It's neuro physiological reactors. What it does is reprogram the neuro functioning of the brain. If you read Struthers, Wired for Intimacy, brilliant book to read if you want to work in this area, necessity I would say. Struthers, Wired for Intimacy. Um, uh, he, he is a neuro, neuropsychologist and he speaks about how the chemical, the chemical movement in the brain is affected and new neural pathways are carved in the way the brain works and your physiological structure and dopamine works in particularly men that, uh, that makes it extremely addictive. And the fifth reason why it's addictive, and I can't go into a huge detail in this area, is that there is a significant reward, a significant, significant reward factor in the process. I won't go into that now. So if that's not enough, what makes pornography a problem? People would say, well, that's not, that's not a problem. It doesn't hurt anybody. Uh, have you ever wondered why it's not illegal? Why pornography is actually not illegal? Because the, because the sex industry has got so much money now. It's actually, it's actually prostitution. Because people are getting paid for sex. Um, but anyway, that's another story. Here's some more data as to why, why pornography is bad. 68% of all divorces involve one party meeting a lover on the internet. 68% of all divorces. So 48% of married couples in this country divorce. 48% of married couples in this country divorce. Of the 48% that divorce, 68% of those are because one party meets a lover on the internet. 56% of, of divorces involve one party having an obsessive internet porn addiction. 40% of porn users lose their, lose their wives, lose their partners, lose their spouses, mostly men, lose their wives. It's bad for children. Exposed to bullying, predatory behaviour, sexual innuendo, solicitation and advances. It, it has created what we call the early sexualisation of young people. The natural order, the natural order has been changed. A young person becomes sexual in, in, in the sense of their physiology at puberty. That's the normal, normal time for them to be, uh, 
to become to become sexual. Is that right? There's a seat somewhere. Let me just say the last bit again. Isn't it, isn't it the normal process that when a young person has their puberty that they become aware of their sexuality, generally? That's the normal process. That's the natural order. That's why it happens at 12 or 13 and not at 6. But when you have 7 to 11 year olds accessing porn on their phones, what happens to them? They get sexualized too early. Too early. Same thing as, as child abuse. When a child is abused sexually, uh, if they get abused at six or at three, they become sexualized too early. And the data shows that children have become, who have been sexually abused become are more inclined to become sexually promiscuous. It's true, that data, that data is correct. So they become sexualized too early, too early. And some of the studies, and I don't have the data here for you, but some of the studies have shown that, that uh, young boys who use porn before the ages of 13 have a, like a 70 or 80% chance of uh, losing their virginity before they're 16. Before they're 16. It creates a deep emotional and psychological issue. And it has some connection with fatherlessness and our society of fatherlessness, which I'm going to talk about tonight. It's bad for your job. Rising incidence of porn-related offences, 44% of these people lost their jobs. 33% of regular porn losers, porn users, that is people who are on the weekly, on the weekly level, 33% uh, of those people eventually lose their jobs. It's time-wasting and it's a reduction in productivity. And it's bad for your health. Clinical depression, obesity, mental illness and anxiety have been related or co-related to porn, porn use. Creates isolation and loneliness. People don't know. People no longer know how to have real relationships, and don't know and no longer know how to have intimacy in relationships. They only know to ha know how to have fantasy relationships. There's comorbidity. People with porn addiction also have other addictions: alcohol addictions, drug addictions are the two obvious ones. In men, it can cause sexual dysfunction. There is no data uh, on women that I can find. And it's because it's not a, it, it doesn't have a generational problem with women yet. It's only this generation where porn has become a, a registrable data measuring problem with women. I actually, I actually said to, to Alicia, my, my wife of 30 years by the way, I said to her, I have no idea how porn could be interesting to women. And she said, real women are not interested in porn at all. It has, no, it has no interest to them at all. But women who've been sexualized too early, who've been abused, who have been uh, mistreated, or have, uh, who have become too familiar with men at too younger age, uh, lose the sense of reality in their sexuality, and pornography seems normal. Especially, especially if their partner's into it. Uh, I, I, I could say a lot more about this, but I can't right now causes sexual dysfunction. It has, a, it has a higher rate of STD. People who, go, who are involved in porn uh, have a higher rate of catching sexually transmitted diseases. It's addictive and destructive. It distorts reality. It's bad for society and it's bad for the church. This is not a problem that exists just 
in secular society. Here's a, here's a piece of data out of the US about church. Now this, this piece of data was a, was, was a piece of data that, that took some statist statistics around the... Um... Hi. Sorry. You've missed all the good bits. Oh. I, I was showing pictures a few moments ago. <laughs> Let's grab a seat. And it's bad for the church. It's not just a problem in the world, it's a problem in the church. Some of the data that came out of, out of a, a fairly extensive study of evangelical and Pentecostal churches in the US, whew, didn't include the Catholics, right? Um, and said, and here it is, some of the data suggested 51% of all male goers, 51% of all male church goers struggle with porn. 51% struggle with porn. Without going on and on, let me just say this. And we have to start to say it, and we have to start to say it publicly, and we have to start to say it in a way that we can offer help. As church, this is an area where we can be great evangelists. Porn is very, very, very bad for you. In the end, it will destroy everything that is good, wholesome, and godly. If left unresolved, unrepented, and untreated, it will destroy all intimacy in our lives. It is a digital drug, and it is toxic training. Why do I say toxic training? Because porn is no longer entertainment, if it ever was. It's curriculum. Did you hear what I said? It's no longer just entertainment, it's curriculum. It's formation. It's forming our society in a way that will destroy marriage, family and church in its own right. It's toxic training. It is toxic miseducation about the human person, our bodies, our sexuality and our relationships. It's not entertainment, it's curriculum. It's not reality, it's fantasy. Young, young men who have been into porn, and young ladies, I speak to you now. If you're going to go out with someone and date them and think about getting married, one of the questions that you really want to find out about, and I don't know how you do this, all right, so I have no answers. But one of the questions you really want to find out about is if this guy's been into porn and been into it in a, in a serious way. There's one good reason to find a godly man. You've got 47% less chance of him being involved in porn. Right? There's one thing the church can wave a flag about. We, we, we have less, less porn users in our communities. But if he's into porn, you know, and, and this is what, this is what uh, a little phrase that, that, that's, that's used, and I don't want to be offended. I don't want to offend anybody, right? But... The, the, the guy has been into extensive porn. He thinks he has to make love like a rock star and his girlfriend or his wife has to be a porn star. The reality, the reality and the, and the, and the understanding of what's normal is gone. Gone. Pornography does not seek to teach us to serve, honour, cherish and love. It does not. It does not foster romance and intimacy in any way. It trains us to be consumers. This is the reason behind it. The human body is now a commodity. The female form is a product, commodification of the female person. It puts sex on the supermarket shelf. It makes it online, on tap, to order. Press a button and get what you want and get it cheaply and freely. So now our sexuality has been secularised. Let me say this a different way. The beauty of sex 
has now had God, have God, had God taken out of it completely. And intimacy has been individualised. Intimacy no, no longer requires two people. It now only requires one person. It's been individualised. I am the centre of my own satisfaction. The individualisation of our sexuality. Having successfully over time carefully and clinically detached the physical act of sex from loving, committed relationships and from God, all one can do now is improve technique, performance, frequency and partners. None of this addresses the condition of the human heart and our deep desire for intimacy. In fact, it creates more loneliness, dissatisfaction and isolation. The end result is the destruction of intimacy between humans and between humanity and God. Left unchecked and unchallenged, it will eventually lead to the destruction of the society as we know it. That's the bad news. Now some good news. Okay, you want to take a breath? Sorry. But this is the, this is the, this is the news. Whether my statistics are plus or minus 10%, it doesn't matter, it's bad. The good news. Sex, intimacy, sensuality, phys physicality should all point to sacred. We know that, don't we? Nod your head if you agree. Should all point to the sacred. The union between a loving, committed man and woman, let me say it again, the union between a loving, committed man and a woman should be defining, transformative, generative and sacramental and point to a higher thing, a higher purpose. This means something greater than their own union. The church and the scriptures tell us much in this area, but let me summarise in a four or five points some of the things that you probably already know, and I'll try not to exegite them, I'll just mention them. We are beautifully and wonderfully made. We're gorgeous in God's eyes. When God looks at me, and you, and you, <laughs> and you, when God looks at us, he thinks we're marvellous. In fact, Genesis tells us he said we're very good. I think the English language is inadequate in communicating what God actually thought when he saw us. He just went absolutely out of control and said, Man, could I have done anything better than this? The Catechism says, We are the pinnacle of all creation. We are the pinnacle of all creation. Do you know what that means? The pinnacle of all creation. We are even more gorgeous than the angels because the angels are created beings. Read the Catechism. It's beautiful. The second thing is, I am made sexual, and you are too. Male and female, he made them. That means you have the sexual system, and it's good. Your sexuality is good because God made it. And let's say the truth, sex is good. God made it. Right? That's our message. That's our message to the world. Our sexuality is good. What you're getting over there is a, is a counterfeit, poor example. It says nothing about love, intimacy, and the glory of the human person. God approves of your sexuality. Never let anybody ever tell you that sex is not good. I'm not meant to be alone, number three. I'm not meant to be alone. I'm made for a man and a woman, or a woman. If I'm a man, I'm made for a woman. If you're a woman, you're made for a man. And I'm made ontologically for God. 
I am made ontologically for God. I am made with a hunger for God. Nothing else will satisfy that. Number four, God loves the world and the ultimate evidence of this is Jesus. God loves the world. Jesus has shown me how to live and he has paid a huge price so that I can be in relationship with the Holy Trinity. Number five, my sin and brokenness is not the deepest part of me. The power and presence of God in me is the deepest part of me. Number six, our deepest yearnings can be met in life only fully by God. Number seven, I will gain my life by giving it away generously in a committed relationship. Number eight, the objective of my human journey is a relationship with God. The over-sexualised culture and toxic impact of pornography has taken much ground now over several generations. There is much to reclaim in the area of human sexuality and intimacy. And there is much to reclaim for the Kingdom of God. So here's some things that we can do. And these are, these are important. Um, we must be informed. One of our problems in relation to um, the battle in the area of sexuality and pornography is the church is observed as prudish and uninformed. And we have the message, prudish or uninformed. We have to understand the times, the enormity of the problem. We can no longer stick our heads in the sand. You know how hard it is to get... Uh, we run workshops all around the country on sex and intimacy and the quest for wholeness. You know how hard it is to get in some dioceses, us to, to promote using those brochures around the places? Some dioceses won't let us talk about it. And I understand that it's delicate territory. But when are we going to start talking about it? When are we going to start <coughs> taking some ground back and putting a peg in the ground and saying enough is enough? We have to. We have to model internet safety and responsibility. An unfiltered, unmanaged internet is irresponsible. Irresponsible. You can't, as a man, live in a home with a computer and the internet and no security and no filter and not expect yourself to get into trouble. Any of you guys got children? Put your hand up. Nobody with children. There's a few people with children. If you've got children and they live in your home, if they're under the, under the age of 18, wherever they live, and they have access to the mobile phone and the internet and they do not have adequate security and filtering on their phone, you are irresponsible. And that's something we need to proclaim from the pulpit. People need to know, and I've said this, and I've said this, and, and parents have stood up and said, not my son. I said, go home and check. Go home and check. Check his browser. And if you don't know how to do it, get somebody in who can do it. Check his browser. I had one dad email me. Thank you. Thank you. He's not a bad boy, but you're right. It's true. Be responsible. No one is exempt. Deal with the myths. I've just done that. Not my child, not my husband, not my partner, not my priest. 2 Timothy 2.22 We have to deal with our youthful feelings and attractions responsibly. All of us, all of us can be at risk. 
Number four, deal with the heresy of secrecy. Out of mind, out of sight. The truth is, the light always, the light is always healing and wholeness. Darkness is where evil will thrive. Ephesians 5, 3 to 12. Stop the cover up with fig leaves, they won't help. Pretending to be okay or saying something like, I can stop anytime I want, is already the beginning of the spiral down. You should not be disqualified or ashamed for your behaviour, just helped. He's part of the problem. He's part of the problem. What time are we supposed to finish? 4.45. Here's part of the problem. What do we do when we find people who have um, breakdown in their sexuality and some poor moral behaviour? We beat them up, ostracise them and kick them out. It's time we started helping them. I know we can't, we can't excuse the problem, but we also have to help them. And we have, to, we have to find ways of people with problems that may not be at the extreme coming forward and talking to their, to their pastors or to their church leaders or to, to people who are in authority and saying, I have a problem, can you help me? That environment leads to wholeness and health. People coming out into the light not hiding in the darkness because we're going to take them outside the walls of the city and throw stones at them and kill them. We've got to change that paradigm. Because that's the paradigm we have with this, with this area of brokenness. If you have a problem, number five, if you have a problem, if you're using pornography weekly, you have a problem. And if you know people using pornography weekly, they have a problem. There's plenty of good help available. There are lots of organisations around that can help. I'm going to give you some sheets in a moment. In fact, I'll give you one now. It's called, I've come to set the captives free. Number six, reclaim the power of intimacy. This is what everybody is seeking anyway. They're just drinking from the wrong well. Just very quickly, what is intimacy? Here is a simple definition of intimacy. Sharing and giving openly and without reservation our thoughts, feelings, doubts, successes, and beliefs in our spirituality and of course our bodies with a committed person. Sometimes with sex, sometimes without sex. It is the generous self-giving and self-disclosure. It is the allowing of another to see in me. Intimacy. In, to, me, see. It's to expose yourself righteously to expose yourself righteously. The jewel of intimacy remains outside the walls of self-preservation and self-gratification. We must not try to find with our bodies more than we've been able to find with our hearts. We must not try to find with our bodies more than we've been able to find with our hearts. Intimacy is derived from the same word as intestines the guts of me. If you want someone to love you and you want to find love, 
Uh, a lot of guys come to the Men Alive weekends and they say, if you could only just help my wife become more affectionate and, uh, and, and much more closer and, and much more interested in sex, I'd really be happy. Now that's a paraphrase, but it's a summary of some of what the guys say. And I say, well, what have you done to grow intimacy in your home? Uh, have you, how many, uh, how many of you guys pick up your clothes and um, do some chores around the house and, and find out really what the love language of your partner is? What are, the, what are the love triggers for your wife? They certainly won't be the same as yours. When was the last time you actually said with words, I love you? with all my heart and look into her eyes and mean it. One guy, one guy went home after the weekend, um, this, this, this 60 or 70 year old guy, now he's well advanced in his marriage and life, he went home uh, Sunday night. He went, uh, he went um, up to the bedroom, was upstairs, he made a cup of tea and took a cup of tea up to the bedroom. His wife was already in bed, she'd finished the night liturgy with her face and makeup and everything. She, and then, <laughs> and then, um, uh, and then he went around to her side of the bed and sat on her side of the bed. Now that's sacred territory, isn't it? Sat on her side of the bed with a cup of tea. She's going, what the hell's going on here? <laughs> and he gave her the cup of tea and he turned towards her and he looked her in the eyes and he said, Darling, from my recollection, it's 17 years I've said these words to you. I love you with all my heart. Sorry for taking you and your love for granted. You are my beloved. She cries, he cries, and the rest, the, the rest is left up to God. But um, I, think, I think we can reclaim a lot more ground in the area of intimacy. We expect the easy yards. We expect the switch on the switch and life is going to be easy. And our, our whole secular culture has trained us that way. But we need to reclaim the area of intimacy. Even single people, we need to reclaim the area of intimacy. Love always yields generous self-giving. Always yields generous self-giving. Learn to see the invisible world within me and others. Number seven, if you're taking points. We need to pray. We need to pray and intercede and fast and go hard after this area. How do you expect people to come and be intimate with God if in the area of their natural intimacy they're being destroyed and eroded in the area of pornography? How do we expect that? How do you expect a guy? You know, you can evangelise You can evangelize a young guy in the street and he comes and gives his life to Jesus, but then he's gone one week later. What's happened to him? We don't deal with the bases and the difficult areas that they're struggling with. You can't assume, hear me correctly here because I might get some theological stones thrown at me, but you can't assume just because one day a man kneels down and says, I love God and I want him to come into my life, that all his problems are going to go away. He just has the source and the answer for his problems. But he has to dive in and swim deeply in the source, doesn't he? A man said to me once, who was, who was addicted to porn, I'm getting married soon and my problem will go away. Uh, a few months into his marriage, he came back and said to me, it's not only not gone away, it's worse now because the guilt and shame is killing me. 
It was only my life before and now. It's hers as well. An infinite God actually seeks and desires intimacy with you and your human soul. Intimacy happens when we expose our inner being and stop being hidden from others and from ourselves. My final point is this. Intimacy begins with you. How do you learn to be intimate? When you love you. The young man and the Pharisee. Two different scenes in the Gospels. I'll finish with the Gospel message and we'll have some questions. Um, the young, young, oh, let's talk about the Pharisee. Comes to Jesus and said, Master, 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 what does the law say? What is the, the number one most important thing in the law? Paraphrasing now, of course. And Jesus says, well, what does the law say to you? And he says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength and with all your soul. Jesus says, well said. And then he adds to it. And he says, the second one is similar to the first. And then Jesus goes and rewrites the Mosaic commandment by saying something different that's written on the ten tablets. He says the second one is similar to the first. You must love your neighbour as yourself. Now the Hebrew scholars tell me that you can write a sentence and you can turn it around and, and it means the same thing. So love God, love your neighbour, love yourself. Turn around to the, to the degree that you can love yourself will be the degree that which you love your neighbour and ultimately the degree which you love God. One of the judgment stories in the scriptures says, um, says, says this, and I summarise it again and make it into a little kernel to make it quicker and easier. How will we, will we, will we be measured at the end of our days? Your sin is not going to be the thing that's going to be counted in the end. It will come into account, but won't be counted. The thing that gets counted is, did you love? Did you love? Did you love those that I gave you to love? And did you love yourself? And did you love your church? And did you love your parish? And did you love your parish priest? And did you love your husband? And did you love your order? Who did you love? Who did you give yourself away to? Until we learn to be intimate, in love, like ourselves, comfortable with who we are, not afraid to expose our inner person, we'll continue at a small level to perpetuate the problem of isolation and loneliness that yields an industry called the sex industry. radio.org.au